Owners of a direct care practice are more likely to experience higher job satisfaction than the insurance-based practice, and it's no wonder why. Direct care is independent of insurance. Patients pay the doctor directly for their expertise. The doctor gets full autonomy in how they care for patients and how they get paid. We've chosen this path for the love of medicine. This is the direct care way. By listening to this podcast, you may even start to believe that you too can have a successful direct care practice. Come listen with an open mind as I share my personal journey on how I pivoted from an insurance-based practice to direct care right in the middle of the pandemic and the valuable lessons along the way. This podcast may be the very thing you need to revitalize your medical practice. I'm your host, owner of a direct care podiatry practice, Dr. T. Nguyen. Do you find yourself saying, It's easier if I did it myself, because if you do, this episode is for you. As small business owners, we have a lot on our plate. We have to think about marketing. We have to think about how to get patients in the door, how to answer the phone if they ask certain questions. And then we're having to deal with being the physician part, right? Like the the part that makes us us that generates revenue is being a physician. That's the thing that we enjoy doing. But when you own a business, you also have to wear another hat to manage the everyday operations of the business. So whether you are in the startup phase or you are well-established many years into your practice, I bet somewhere along the lines, you might've said to yourself, it's better if I just do it myself. Because if you had to train somebody, it's gonna take time out of your day to answer their questions and they're just never really on the same wavelength as us. And I wanna say something about that because that was exactly me not too long ago. I had an employee who was pretty good with patients. Patients loved her, but as time went on, I kept answering a lot of the same questions over and over again. So then I started to create a worksheet that says, before you ask Dr. T a question, take these steps. And number one was, did you already look up the answer yourself first? And then number two, what are some possible answers that you think could come from this question that you're about to ask? And then number three, is this urgent? Because if it is, then obviously ask. You know, if it's going to harm a patient, ask me right away. But this kind of training system that I had actually helped me a lot. And this was at the recommendation of another established doctor who was going through the same thing and he's decades into his practice nearing his retirement he offered that suggestion to have a um a question slip i forgot what he had called it but it was a way to train your staff to think before they asked you questions and i hadn't done this in the beginning i was actually really accessible and that opened the doors to a lot of frustrations because i didn't stop them and I didn't make them think in the beginning. I would just answer every single question as they came. So they thought they had me conditioned to answer all their questions without having to do much of the work to look it up. Or they wouldn't bother to look it up because they're like, it's just faster if I just asked you the question. And I was like, okay, this is when we need to hit the division between the CEO and the employees who run the business, who run the office setting. I started implementing this form because I had a couple employees they would just come at me with a bunch of questions. And I was really frustrated because I, here I am trying to focus on the patient's problem I'm trying to solve. I'm doing some back work. I'm doing research. I'm, I'm reading about different therapies and options for them. And then I get interrupted by a simple question that could have been answered if they just took a second to think about it. 
it was really nice when I started to offer this form because by the end of the week, I would review them. And then the question was maybe one or two that I needed to answer by then. Versus every day where if they kept asking me questions every single day, I would have to stop what I'm doing. I'd have to think. I'd have to contain myself, which takes a lot of energy to just simply act professional and contained and then answer their question. I would recommend for you to do that if you find yourself having to answer a lot of questions like I did and questions that just takes time out of your day. There was a research that said every time we had to stop and answer a question and get out of focus, it takes a few minutes to get back into focus with the work that you were doing. I think on average, it was like seven minutes to actually reset and get back to focused work. So, you know, seven minutes here, seven minutes there, then you're going through hours of incomplete thinking, unfocused work, and that can be counterproductive. So I share this scenario because I bet you you've experienced the same thing as a business owner, or maybe you experienced this in your home setting. Maybe it's with children or your partner, and they're asking this age-old question, what's for dinner? That is my least favorite question of the day. I would much rather just have food there. That includes a vegetable, a protein, and a carbohydrate. That's kind of what my dream life would look like. Food just shows up and it's warm. (laughs) I'm still working on that process. But when we're asked the same questions every day, it cuts at us. It's energy load. It's energy expenditure, also called the cognitive burden. And I just learned this word, cognitive burden. And I really like the word because it describes exactly what we feel when we're having to put out all of these little fires, when we're having to manage the business, but the business isn't really self-sufficient. It, re- it needs us to answer these questions, right? I got this term from a book I'll reference into the show notes because I think it's really important for physicians to get their hands on this book to read about what's really going on in the culture of healthcare and why it's so hard to take care of patients. But cognitive burden comes from these minor nuances that distresses you. And it takes time away and energy away from what you need to focus on in order to generate revenue. So you answering the question about, does this patient need a consent form? Like, why is that a question, right? In the first place. But you having to stop and listen to your medical assistant ask that question. Think about what they're even talking about because maybe you were thinking about something else. And then answer them in the most professional way possible, which means you have to contain yourself because you're probably full of rage at this moment because you have all these things on your to-do list and you're being asked a question that you think they should have known. And that is the description of cognitive burden that I experienced myself and I experienced that I know other doctors experience, you know, like if you're a surgeon and you go into the OR and you don't have your regular surgical team, you have floaters, you have people who are just stepping in and nobody read your surgical card to even know what your preferences are. And then now you're having to constantly get interrupted in your general workflow. Like you know what you're going to do as a surgeon and yet you're being asked by five different people what your glove size is and do you need anesthesia and what kind of saw you need because you've been doing this case hundreds after hundreds after hundreds and it's like that's cognitive burden. That is us getting drained in answering questions that requires our mind to constantly shift back and forth from focus out of focus and then having to be contained and remain professional throughout all of that. Business owners struggle with delegating. And I know that for myself and I see that in the people I work with. We think that if we just did it ourselves, we can do it faster, it'll be better than if anyone else can take that. And you're gonna be 
mostly right, but you're also going to be holding yourself back by thinking in this way. Because we think things have to be a certain way. It has to be perfect. Your definition of perfect. So your definition of perfect is going to be far different from my definition of perfect, which means it's also going to be different from your medical assistant's definition, from your receptionist, from your virtual assistant, from your all of the people who work with you or for you. So trying to make things perfect slows you down because you're kind of spending time on something that doesn't really generate revenue. Instead, the alternative to that thinking is to find peace in delegating some of the work that can unload that cognitive burden by being okay with 80% close enough, good enough type of work, which means you do have to step back in order to propel forward. So by stepping back and doing retraining so that they hear it the first time directly from you, And then a protocol is written or a manual is refined so that they can refer to that is going to help you in the long run. So if it's just you and one assistant, then you can build it together. What I do with my staff is if they ask a question that has been asked on repeat many times, I do the form that I mentioned, you know, write down what your question is, give me three solutions, and then is it urgent? Put it on my table and I'll deal with it when I'm ready for it, which is usually once a week. Or you have them write it in the manual themselves and say, well, if somebody asks this question, what do you do? And you give one, two, three steps about that. So it might be, does my patient need a consent? And then your list might be anything that involves an injection needs a consent. And then that way there's something to reference to that isn't you. So yeah, it's going to take them work now rather than you getting interrupted to answer their question. When we find ourselves putting out a lot of fires, we actually have to stop and think like, what is actually going on? Is this a systemic problem? If so, how do I fix it? Oftentimes our systemic problem is inefficient training or incomplete training, or they just need to be reminded, or maybe your staff was on vacation for two weeks and then now they're having to get back into the groove of things, or maybe you went on vacation and things got shifted a little bit. But a manual can help the entire team refocus, but also the verbal connection with your staff is going to be really helpful. Because surprisingly, staff doesn't always read everything the way that we read things. If we're given a manual, we're probably going to read it from A to Z. We're going to be thoughtful about it. We're going to be critically thinking about things. The way we think and read is different compared to somebody like a medical assistant who essentially shows up to do their work to assist and then they check out. They're kind of done with their work once they leave. Whereas for us, we are on constant, around-the-clock brain is functioning on the business. At least in the beginning it is because we want to get it just right. So that's a solution that you can work with. If you can get to a place where you would be okay if they got 80% of the job right, you are moving in the right direction. If you are in a position where You're like, they must get it right 100% of the time or else I'm just better off doing it myself. Then that is a place that makes it really hard to grow. That makes it really hard to hire on staff and to get additional staff on the same page. Because imagine if you're struggling with one staff member, you're going to multiply that struggle with each hiree you have. There is a difference between a high quality candidate versus a low quality candidate. And that might be another evaluation process that you have to go through to see if you have a high quality or a low quality candidate as part of your team. 
If it's a low quality candidate, such as somebody who can't even follow directions, basic directions, or go to your manual and troubleshoot a couple of questions on their own, solve problems on their own, they're not a good fit. If they are somebody who needs constant guidance, they are not a good fit. And I speak about this with personal experience. I am going through a phase right now where I needed to reset my expectations before I hire on anybody else. Because I run at a really high level, I have a lot of problems I'm trying to solve simultaneously. But if I can't get clarity on what one staff member's job is, it is for them to do, then they get confused and then they get frustrated and then they're not set up for success. They're set up to disappoint you instead. And I don't want you to be in that situation because it's truly not worth building a practice if you can't step away from it, if you can't trust that your staff members have the appropriate training to do things good enough for you at the phase of practice that you're currently in. So in your first one to two years of practice, it's going to be a bunch of troubleshooting. It's going to be manual creation and then editing it every week or two with your team members so that everyone is contributing to this culture, to this way of your practice where number one, everyone is here to solve a problem. And if the staff member finds that they don't want to solve problems or they don't have the tools to know how to solve problems and you're not willing to train them, then we need to reevaluate the circumstances. Just believe that most people who you hire, they want to contribute. They want to have a level of importance to your business. I think it's going to help enlighten you a little bit. They want to feel like they're contributing. What they're doing is meaningful. And although people may act like they're just showing up to work and clocking out, I don't think that's most people. I think people get to that point when they don't have a buy-in in the work culture. And creating that work culture comes from you. It comes from you knowing where staff needs to be and you help them with where they need to be with a training manual. And you get to that point by letting go of control of every part of your practice. So if the next time you find yourself saying it's much faster and easier if I were to do it myself and it's not a physician level problem to solve, you're going to be holding yourself back because this problem will only magnify as you expand or maybe you expand to a constriction because it's you doing everything all the time and that is energy consuming and that is a cognitive burden that we need to unravel from that we need to take off of our plate rather than add on to it because with time you're going to have more responsibilities and you're going to multiply the problems that you need to solve so it's better to get off on the right foot right away and let go of some of that power and be okay with 80 percent of pretty good and pretty good is going to look like you letting your staff answer some of their own questions, solve some of their own problems, and then you oversee them. And then you encourage them to continue to do this throughout their job. So cognitive burden, it's a real thing. You're not crazy for feeling exhausted after a long day of having to put out fires, answering a bunch of questions that's unrelated to the things you actually enjoy doing, which is being a physician. I hope this episode is helpful. I hope it helps you jot down a couple of notes as to what you need to do next to take some of that burden off of you so that you can actually expand without exponential stress in your practice and on yourself. That's all I have for today. I look forward to being in your ears next week to help you love your business and have your business work for you and you not working for it. Take care. I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for being here with me. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, 
please like, share, and subscribe so more people like you can have access to another way of practicing medicine, the direct care way. Let's connect. Find my info in the show notes and send me your questions. It might be the topic for future episodes. And lastly, if you remember nothing else, remember this. Be the energy you want to attract. See you next time.